0: From Valley Public Radio, you're listening to COVID-19 This Week, San Joaquin Valley. I'm your host, Kathleen Schock, with health reporter Carrie Klein. It's June 18th, 2021. After 15 months of pandemic-related restrictions, California is back open for business. Here's how a few of you are feeling. I'm super grateful.
1: It's about dang time. It's like, okay, I can breathe.
0: (laughs) I think we should still keep our precautions just to be on the safe side that was business owner sherry cooley video producer nick mcneil photographer jeff pasqua and nurse angelica martinez speaking with carrie in downtown clovis earlier this week the pandemic isn't over but it seems to be under control and so because of that today will be our final episode of this podcast to commemorate the occasion, Carrie followed up with a few people we've featured in this segment in the last year to see how they're doing and what they'll carry with them from this upside down year. Carrie, welcome back. Thanks, Kathleen.
1: First, let's begin as we always have with a valley-wide status report. So once again, things continue to look really stable. Case rates, death rates, and hospitalization rates are still low and not changing very much. So far in our area, nearly 2.1 million vaccine doses have been administered, bringing our fully vaccinated total to 33%, with another 7% of our population partially vaccinated.
0: And of course, the color-coded reopening blueprint no longer applies anymore, in broad strokes, what changed on Tuesday? Where are we now in terms of social distancing, business reopenings, and and masking?
1: So we covered a lot of this last week, but to recap, under state rules, almost all businesses are free to operate at full capacity and with no requirements for social distancing. The exception is places that hold mega events like stadiums and music venues. There, customers must either test negative or have proof of vaccination. Otherwise, you'll have to wear a mask indoors. Generally, fully vaccinated people can go maskless with just a few exceptions, including healthcare and correctional settings and mass transit. Unvaccinated people are still supposed to wear masks indoors, though it's up to the business in question how they want to enforce that. However, businesses are allowed to enforce their own stricter requirements. For instance, they can require masks of everyone. And of
0: course, one change from last week is that workplace restrictions have been lifted as well, right?
1: That's right. So much of the confusion around workplace requirements should be over now. You know, restrictions for employees had looked like they were going to remain in place for a few weeks beyond the loosening of restrictions for the public. But just yesterday, the state Occupational Health and Safety Board voted to end masking and social distancing requirements for employees, or at least for vaccinated employees as well. And Governor Newsom signed an executive order to make that effective immediately. You know, many folks are elated at this news, though officials warn that workplaces may have to to follow different rules if they face a subsequent outbreak.
0: So you caught up with a number of Valley residents in the last week to hear about the lessons that they will walk away with from this pandemic. One group of people really affected by the pandemic is kids. And I understand you spoke with a school employee in Bakersfield.
1: Yeah, that's right. I I talked with Kimberly Reynolds. She's the lead social worker at Kern High School District in Bakersfield. She said it's been great to have students back in classrooms. There was kind of a honeymoon period at first. Everyone was just positive, excited to be back. But over time, requests for social work services have increased, and it's becoming clear there's still a lot of work to do. You know, She had told me that to get through the pandemic, social workers had ramped up their televisits to make up for lost FaceTime. Many even carried folding chairs in their cars in order to meet with students in their front yards. But it's such a relief to be able to see students now in person.
0: We do a lot of crisis assessments, um, individual counseling, things like that. And there's so much nonverbal communication that's transferred um, or that's apparent when you're working with someone face-to-face that you can't necessarily see or gain from a a virtual environment.
1: On the other hand, she says she and her colleagues do feel they have more tools to use now than ever before, and that there is a time and place for virtual visits when in-person time isn't possible.
0: Another group that's been vulnerable during this pandemic has been essential workers. Tell me about your conversations with employees from some of the Valley's biggest industries.
1: Yeah, well, so I'll start with Sonny Graywall. He's a trucker owner operator in Fresno. He drives more than 100,000 miles every year. We first spoke back in March, and at that time, he and truckers across the country were frustrated about what felt like a lack of support from the government. They were left out in the cold when rest stops closed, leaving truckers without bathrooms or places to sleep, even though they were transporting food and PPE and all this really essential stuff. Pay rates for truckers fluctuated tremendously as well, and truckers never received the vaccine priority they were promised early on by the state government. Since then, a lot of this of course, has stabilized, vaccines are now available to everyone, or at least all adults. But Graywall says he hasn't forgotten the sting of feeling forgotten about.
0: I learned that, you know, we should not be rely on anybody because when this pandemic thing happened, we were by our own, you know, we had like a regular people sending us messages like that we are serving food for suckers they don't have. So when we really needed the support, they shut down everything and people were helping us you know
1: Then there's Eric Bream. He's a citrus farmer in Tulare County. He was fortunate that this year there was a lot of demand for oranges. And so his business wasn't hit too hard, but others were. You know, demand for produce and meat changed a lot, particularly with restaurants and hotels scaled back. And that's why a lot of livestock had to be slaughtered, and many fruits and vegetables were left out in the field to rot. Not to mention COVID hit farm workers particularly hard. So, coming out of this episode, Bream says he's trying to evaluate the things that he's taken for granted in his life. For instance, a pipe on his property broke and it took months to get the parts he needed because the supply chain had broken down somewhere in the world.
0: We've always
1: kind of operated on the assumption that that stuff will always be readily available and now it's not. And I think people will be a little more mindful of that moving forward. He says he's also seen a shift in consumers, many of whom recognize more now that food is not infinite and it can be subject to labor shortages, supply chain hiccups and other problems, just like any other commodity. And then some of the folks that you heard from at the very beginning of this episode that I met in downtown Clovis, you know, they say they've had to learn to be more creative in terms of how they make money this year. Jeff Pasqua has a career as a photographer and event coordinator, but he had to take a job as a Salvation Army truck driver until weddings and quinceañeras came back. Nick McNeil is a videographer and has spent a lot of time this year reviewing products online instead of working events.
0: So if I'm hearing you correctly, there is some optimism out there, some silver linings to grab onto as we come out
1: of this pandemic is that the right way to view this I mean, the, the people I've interviewed, you know, can't necessarily speak for the entire population. Obviously, there has been tremendous variation in people's experiences. Some families were utterly devastated by COVID. Um, some people lost their incomes or their homes. But on the whole, Jennifer Howell says she's been really impressed with the resilience of people. She's a health psychologist at UC Merced. We first spoke last summer when she was just beginning some studies on how people were being affected by the pandemic. She says, yes. Yeah, there have been spikes in anxiety, depression, substance use, things that can't just be reversed when restrictions are lifted. But she says on the whole, we as a society have shown how adaptable and resilient we can be. I think people found ways to stave off the kind of negative social impact of of COVID, you know, using Zoom or playing games online with people or doing socially distanced picnics or things like that. And I think that one thing that we see is really like the resilience of humans and in, in the ability to kind of find a way to, to remain social despite the, the limitations. And collectively, we discovered a lot of coping mechanisms and tools that we can take with us to the next big disaster or even to the littler things that disrupt our lives.
0: Well, Carrie, thank you so much for your reporting, not just this week, but throughout the pandemic. It has been so informative. Thank you.
1: Well, thank you, Kathleen. This has been COVID-19
0: This Week with health reporter Carrie Klein. I'm your host, Kathleen Shock. Thanks to our news director, Alice Daniel, and engineer, Don Weaver. We hope you've enjoyed this show. You could find all our episodes at kvpr.org.